Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 73 is entitled Tragedy. As a good soldier prepares for the assault of the enemy, we must prepare for the assault of tragedy. Tragedy does not define our nature. Tragedy reveals our nature and defines the weaknesses in our armor against evil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Tragedy comes to us all. Those who use tragedy to strengthen their armor are true disciples of Christ. Those who use tragedy as an excuse to abandon God, to abandon truth, or to abandon that which they know is right, and to run to sin will find upon reflection that they use tragedy as an excuse to follow their true desires. Tragedy does not create one's nature. Tragedy is the magic mirror that reflects one's true character. Tragedy does not cause one to lose his faith. Tragedy reveals the strengths or weaknesses of one's faith. Paul said, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Tragedy is never neutral. Tragedy either causes us to strengthen our faith, or tragedy causes us to drop the illusions that we had about our faith. James calls tragedy the trial of our faith. James 1, 3-4 Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In First Peter we read, That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Paul adds, Romans 5, 3-5, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. In other words, tragedy puts our faith on trial. Without our faith being put on trial, we cannot measure our progression or the strength of our faith. It has its analogy in nature. Things are tested only by resistance and strengthened only by opposition. Few of us in life escape tragedy. Just as we physically prepare for a storm before the storm, we must spiritually prepare for the tragedy before the tragedy. True faith is in God, not in the fiery fluctuations of our factitious lives. True faith in God is a shield that protects us from the fiery darts of the wicked. Life is filled with 10,000 trials. But there is only one tragedy, and that is spiritual death brought about by willful rebellion against God. To die physically is to have the spirit separate from the body. To die spiritually is to have the soul separate from God through willful disobedience. 
God, ever-preserving agency, by necessity leaves this choice entirely to us. Perhaps our daily prayer should not be, let me avoid sorrow, but our prayer should be, let all my sorrow be godly. In Man's Search for Meaning, Dr. Frankel quotes Dostoevsky. There is only one thing that I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. In patience in suffering lies the hope of redemption. It is easier to believe in God than it is to believe that God believes in us. In Candide, Voltaire's brilliant satire that would have made Juvenal blush, Candide and two philosophers, Pangloss and Martin, pass the time in endless disputes over the nature of good and evil. They consult a famous dervish known for his wisdom. The impatient dervish responds, What signifies it, said the devourish, whether there be evil or good? When his highness sends a ship to Egypt, does he trouble his head whether the mice on board are at ease or not? In Shakespeare's King Lear, the suffering Gloucester laments, As flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. Both the Derpish and Gloucester are rather cynical. Sometimes suffering separates us from our senses, and we cry out against the only one who can relieve our pain. The philosopher Martin, mentioned above, when accused by Candide of being possessed by the devil, answers, He is so deeply concerned in the affairs of this world, answered Martin, that he may very well be in me as well as in everybody else. But I owe to you that when I cast an eye on this globe, or rather on this little ball, I cannot help thinking that God has abandoned it to some malignant being. Perhaps it is true that although some believe in God, everyone believes in the devil, or at least believes that some malignant thing rules our world, whether it is an evil spirit or bad luck. Martin, whose cynicism has settled deeply into his soul, concluded that man was born to live either in a state of distracting inquietude or of lethargic disgust. The American philosopher Thoreau concluded that most men live lives of quiet desperation. We cannot ignore the inordinate amount of sorrow and suffering in the world. The story of Job is a common story, and how we endure our own suffering is more important than how we deal with almost any other trial of life. Ease is but a summer vacation within the university of suffering necessary to teach us the wisdom we must learn, or life is vain. To graduate from this life with honors, we must find meaning in our suffering. Think of the two thieves who flanked Christ. Both were lifted upon a cross to pay for their crimes, yet neither cross had the power of salvation. The power of the atonement rested only with the one in the middle, who did no crime and no sin. Luke twenty-three thirty-nine through 43 And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Are we not all like those two thieves, bearing our own crosses, yet we must choose for ourselves whether we accept the mercy of Christ, or whether we mock the mercy of Christ, crucifying him afresh in our hearts. Christ's suffering, not our own, saves us. Suffering sometimes makes us bitter to the point that, like the sarcastic thief, we reject the only one who could heal us. 
Suffering has value only when it gives us wisdom and brings us closer to God. The greatest tragedy of suffering is when it has no meaning. Suffering does not inherently carry meaning. Meaning, though it requires an act of intelligence, is spiritual. In other words, it must be confirmed by the Holy Ghost. We must find meaning in suffering, or life is vain. We must suffer before we can teach, or else we will speak fine flowery words without feeling, knowledge without wisdom, and comfort without caring. The magic of language is such that we may be able to make people swoon at our words when we ourselves are not even capable of feeling our words. Sometimes, when gripped with grief, we simply must hang on until help arrives. The dervish, however, is wrong. Gloucester is wrong, and Martin is wrong. The forces of good are greater than the forces of evil. But only in the fight can faith receive the strength necessary to overcome fear. Again, I remind you of the story of Elisha and his servant. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, Behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. What Elisha said to his servant, God says to us all, They that be with us are more than they that be with them. We all suffer the uncertainty of sorrow, but only those who give up the fight will suffer the certainty of defeat. We may all draw strength from the following story as recorded in Mark. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? The disciples had to endure the fierce front of the blunt storm and the horrors of a sinking ship. But the Lord, who perhaps was feigning sleep to test his disciples, arose and rebuked the howling wind and terrifying waves. We are all in such a ship, and we are all at some times in our lives caught in such a storm. But if we call upon the Lord, he too will awaken and arise, that though our ship is full of water, we do not sink. The disciples, even with the Savior on the ship, were not spared the great storm of the wind and the waves that beat upon the ship, nor were they spared the almost certainty of sinking as the ship filled with water. But they were spared. Whether the Savior is speaking to the wind and waves or to the turbulence of a terrified heart, his words will be the same. Peace be still. Just as the wind ceased and there was a great calm, so will it be with us if we continue to call upon him. There is no sorrow that the Savior himself did not feel, no sickness that he did not suffer, no sin that he did not atone for. All that he did, he did that he may have empathy for us in our sorrow and suffering. 
and the promises of those who endure the trial of their faith are great. James tells us that for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. In another place, James said, The trying of your faith worketh patience. Peter adds, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.